what is going on? Happy Friday and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post-game shows after every Reds game on YouTube and podcasts like you're listening to right now. Always available bright and early the morning after every Reds game. We are presented as always by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, it was a pretty slow day across baseball on Thursday. The Reds were off, as was the Brewers, and as was everyone in the NL wildcard race. Well, except for maybe now the Cubs. The Cubs destroyed the Cardinals 10-3, and don't look now, but they are just four games out of a wildcard spot. Here's where things stand entering Friday for the Reds. Reds are 56-48 and on the season. They are a game and a half back in the NL Central, which, as we mentioned, is about two games back because they lose the tiebreaker to the Brewers. The Reds are tied for the second NL wildcard spot with the Phillies. The Giants have the first wildcard spot, half game ahead of the Reds and Phillies, and the Diamondbacks and Marlins are both a half game back behind the Reds and Phillies. So five teams, three spots. They are all within a game and a half of each other. Well, coming up on today's show, a recap of the Reds minor league action on Thursday, a preview of the Dodgers series, uh, and some additional Reds trade rumors. But first, I caught up with Clay Snowden of JustBaseball.com to talk about where things stand with the Reds, the trade deadline, and more. All right, joined now by Clay Snowden of Just Baseball. And Clay, wanted to start off, get your thoughts overall on the Cincinnati Reds 56-48 and 48 here entering Friday, July 28th. First off, let's start with this Brewers series, and it's going to be the last time that I talk about the Reds and the Brewers head-to-head this season before we move on. But, Clay, do you take this series with the Brewers as the Brewers are just a bad matchup for the Reds? Do you think there's maybe something more to it that could be a concern going forward? What do you think about the Reds against the Brewers? Yeah, I don't really know, honestly. It, it, it's a bad matchup for sure, and the Brewers just came in and got some good pitching from, like, Freddie Peralta, who, like, in between starts – against other teams, did not have good outings, just happened to have two good outings against the Reds. Um, you know, sometimes there's just that team that beats you, and you can't get past, and I hate to sound like that, but that's what it looked like this year against the Brewers. So hopefully they have that behind them. They can build some momentum. Let's see what the deadline looks for each team, see where they stand. There's still a lot of baseball left. Yeah, and I know you've been writing a lot over it, just baseball about the trade deadline. Uh, first off, what do you think the Reds should do, and how do you think they should approach this trade deadline? I don't think that they should go out there and trade away any of the top-tier prospects. Now, I'm all for trading anybody kind of in that second tier. And keep in mind, the Reds' second tier is much better than a lot of teams' first tiers. So it's it's really not smart to look at number 10 prospect in Reds, number 10 prospect in you know, White Sox and say, all right, these are the same level of player because it's not. So I think right off the bat, you have to get at least two or excuse me, at least one reliever, preferably two. I want a righty and a lefty. I want that second lefty. I want somebody else in the bullpen who can take over for Fernando Cruz or, you know, one of the other players that have shuffled in and out and um, it gives you a little bit more stability so that you don't have to lean so heavily on Alexis Diaz and Lucas Sims. And um, the, the the lefty in the bullpen, those are relatively inexpensive to acquire. That shouldn't take much in terms of prospect capital. 
um, especially ones on expiring deals. All right. So do you think the, the Reds will listen to Clay Snowden and uh, follow your plan? Or what do you think they will actually do with the trade deadline? I think improving the bullpen is the best way to improve the team for the lowest prospect capital. Um, if you wanted to somehow get a new bat in this lineup, not only would it be kind of difficult, but super complicated trade to pull off at a deadline. You may want to improve a catcher or whatever, and that's just a really difficult move to pull off that would cost a lot. So in my eyes, it's how do we improve this team? Well, we improve the bullpen. It won't cost too much. And if they want to get one more player, I would go for a starting pitcher. I don't know how steep that market is going to be and how much it's going to cost. Um, some players that I had put down as players in mind were like a James Paxton, Michael Lorenzen, even Mike Clevenger, which I know is a name not a lot of people like, but um, just somebody else who can help get you through the summer into the playoffs. And once you get in the playoffs, you know they were going to pull starters earlier if it's not going well for them. So that bullpen even becomes more important. A couple of those starters move to the bullpen. I just think if you have a lockdown bullpen, it can really help this team. So the Brewers on Thursday made their first uh, splash here at the trade deadline, uh, getting Carlos Santana uh, at to pretty much replace Owen Miller, I would assume, at first base. Uh, first off, what's your thoughts on that move? I mean, they traded away a... Um, international free agent that was over a million dollar i think 1.5 somewhere around there so pr a pretty good prospect actually a well-regarded 18 year old so that's the players that it looks like they're willing to part with um of course they have a lot of young players they could have traded away for kind of a bigger ticket they elected to go this route um santana i think he's 37 38 years old um, i actually wrote about him this morning as a player who could get moved and pretty much what I said was, hey, every single year, a contender goes out and acquires a power bat that can be a bench player. Usually ends up in the outfield or first base, DH type. The Mariners did it, and I used the example of the Mariners doing it with Carlos Santana. And then it's like, fast forward, and here's the Brewers, you know, six hours later, doing exactly that. He can come off the bench. He'll provide us some pop. I think he's kind of near the end of his career, but... Um, still a useful enough player. I don't think it moves the needle much. Do you think that the Brewers are done, or do you think they'll be more aggressive? I don't think that they're done. Um, they need some help in that lineup. I mean, they could use a lot of upgrades, a lot of upgrades. The question is, will they actually do it? And I think that they might do one more. Um, a player I would have liked to have seen to them um, is R Ramon Urias from Baltimore. But at this point, I don't really see that fit working out with Baltimore trying to be a contender and are going to try to get a piece back. Um, if I was them, I, I would definitely add a bat. The problem is the market is so thin on bats. So, so thin. Um, so it's they're they're kind of stuck right now. Feels like the Reds could actually be, be the best trade partner as they have. Uh, a lot of quality relievers <laughs> swap a reliever for uh, uh, a Reds player. Yeah. I did find it interesting, Clay, that I, I saw that their their GM said that they were prioritizing um, bats that they felt were good defensive player, and they liked Carlos Santana's defensive numbers this year. 
So that'll be interesting to see if they'll go out on a limb for a player that maybe doesn't fit that profile, because obviously we just saw how great they are defensively. That's a, a huge advantage they have to go along with that pitching that just turns into, I think, a lot of these uh, really ugly games. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of a type for them. They acquired Ed, um, Eduardo Escobar in 2021 at the deadline as somebody who they actually ended up playing at first base quite a bit and kind of a veteran who can spot start, has tons of experience, but if you bring him off the bench, they're happy with that. So I don't see them as, like, the team that's going to make splash moves, but more of the add some vets with, you know, that checks a couple of of um, boxes for them. Let's look at the rest of the wild card here. Uh, obviously, there's the Giants, Phillies, Reds, Diamondbacks, and Marlins, all within one and a half games of each other. Three of those teams, you would assume, would get in the playoffs unless the Cubs or the Padres or someone else could sneak up in the mix. Of those teams, who do you think uh, of those teams could be really aggressive at the deadline and you know maybe do something to separate themselves? Yeah, I, I still feel like it's Arizona. I think that they kind of had a year last year that was a similar vibe, not necessarily similar s- similar results as the Reds this year, where it's, you know, they have a youth movement, kind of ahead of schedule, fun team. You can see it. This is year two, and they want to control that division eventually. And I know it's going to be super difficult with the Dodgers in it and the Padres doing whatever the hell the Padres are doing, but um they have the capital that they could go out and actually acquire like a David Bednard, like a Eduardo Rodriguez and really strengthen. The issue is they don't have a closer at all. Like they just filter guys in and out of that role. They need bullpen up and they need a starter at the very minimum. Um, Philly, they have the talent. If they can add one more bat and a starter, they're going to be extremely scary. I think Miami is one that I'm not as, much worried about. I think that they're kind of level off and Chicago. No. And uh, I think you said the giants and that's an interesting team that I think could do a swap of starting pitcher. Who's on their major league roster for a position player. Um, Anthony DiScalfani maybe, or somebody of that nature. Cause I don't see them tapping into a lot of that young talent. Yeah, it was interesting. I'd heard the the Giants were one of the potential teams if the Angels had decided to trade Otani that would be aggressive going after him. So interested to see if it was just Otani or Bust or if they'll still have that same aggressive mindset if, big if, that reporting was actually uh, accurate. Well, you mentioned the Cubs. I do want to get to them. It looks like, as we're recording this, Cubs are up 7-1 to one right now. They would actually get to within four games of a playoff spot if they're able to hang on. They're kind of in a weird spot here where we thought they were going to sell. Uh, what, do, what do you make of them? Yeah, I thought about three weeks to a month ago. I was like, I'm worried about the Cubs kind of sneaking out of nowhere. Then I was like, nah, I don't really think they're going to sell. And they're, But Nick, I mean, they're in such a tough spark, spot because they could really capitalize on Marcus Stroman, who's most likely going to opt out of his deal and get a big return. Cody Belger, same thing. However, however... Both of those players said that they kind of want to stay. They're interested in Chicago. I was talking to Arm about it. It's like, why not let them play out and just re-sign them? Try to bring them back with a re-signed deal. They're going to cost a lot more money than they do now, but the Cubs have been aggressive each of the past two off-seasons when we thought they were rebuilding and they're trying the retool. They added Dansby Swanson. Like They're not afraid to do it. So 
I, I still don't think that I trust the pitching enough this year, especially if they move Stroman, but some team to watch out for, for sure. Let's hope they go aggressive at the trade deadline and lose like seven in a row after and fall out of the race. That would be best case scenario for uh, our Cincinnati Reds. Uh, last thing I want to talk to you, Clay, before I get you out of here, is some of the prospects that could have an impact this season. And, and the guys that come to mind, Noel V. Marte, Jose Barrero, Stuart Fairchild, uh, obviously Barrero and Fairchild aren't prospects, but they are at AAA and could still come back up and be impact players. And then, of course, Connor Phillips and the recently promoted Lyon Richardson. Of that group, anyone that, that stands out to you that think could be an impact if the Reds hang in the race and could be an impact player in the race down the stretch? I don't think so. Connor Phillips' name comes up a lot. Um, he walked five last night. That's always been his issue. The thing about Connor Phillips is when you watch him, and I know I've said this before, he has so many uncompetitive pitchers. He was down 2-0 in a count last night, threw a ball that was not even close, hit the dirt, not even for a second looked looked like a strike. Now you're down 3-0, you battle back, and you walk him. It's stuff like that where in the minors he's able to work back into counts because his fastball is good enough. I don't think where he is right now his fastball would play up the same way that it has in the minors. So when he's going to have to rely on that, now he's got a great curveball and, and you know breaking ball and whatnot, but I think that there's some fine-tuning there. I'm in no rush. I know that that's a thing that we've, got lot, we, we've gotten lucky with this year, is pros, or the prospects turning into pros immediately doing well. Like, Don't forget that we just last year, like, let's not rush anybody. Let's not rush anybody. Like, We still have to remember Marte, 21, Phillips, 22, just barely tasting AAA. I say finish the year out. It's unfair to them to call them up and say, hey, we didn't get the guy at the deadline, so you all are going to be our deadline pieces. Like That's a lot of pressure. Tons of of rookies in the mix. To me, it's like I'd rather give up prospect number 13 or whoever it is for a player than call up a player. It's the same thing I said with Jose Barrera. I wanted to get Miguel Rojas for a mediocre prospect just so we didn't have to call up Jose Barrera. I think that was 2020. Um, Same idea here. Like I would rather have those players finish out the year, see where they are after the off season and start fresh than like this rush program to get them to the majors. Would you be against uh, Phillips coming up and being used as a reliever or, and or uh, Marte coming up and, being used in a platoon role to kind of get their feet wet and also maybe help the team. It would have to take some, some injuries before I would consider that. Um, the thing with Phillips is like, I, I don't think that he comes up and you're like, all right, go out there and throw fastballs and, you know, maybe a couple breaking balls here. And like, I don't think his stuff is going to transition into being a great reliever, like overnight. Like, I think that the issues with uncompetitive pitches and whatnot still become a problem. Um, and I could be very, very wrong there. Like we've seen players do that, but I'm just giving my perspective on it. I just don't see it as some saving grace this year. And neither should the Reds because you can't put everything on a bunch of rookies, even though we do want them to get experience. Um, the other was Marte. His numbers look good at AAA. I think I've watched four or five games and he's had some good hits, hits and whatnot and high exit velos up the middle, but um, it is funny. I did talk to somebody who knows minor league baseball very well. That was kind of like, he looks overmatched at times. Like 
it's okay. Like there's no panic button, but like this guy cannot possibly play in the majors this year. And this is a guy that knows a lot, a lot more than me, you, and probably any, anybody on this show about minor league evaluation. It's not Aram before you, you asked that. So um, just, you know, a little note there, but yeah, there's no, no reason to rush 21 year old Noah V. Marte right now. All right, Clay. Well, excellent info. Thanks so much as always for your time. And uh, where can everyone find you and uh, all your work that you do? Yeah, justbaseball.com. We're putting out a ton of deadline content. We have a deadline tracker, which I love. You can click on that bookmark it, and then it tells you every single trade. And there's no like fluff to it. It's easy to read, bold. Here's who got traded. That's great. And then um, on Twitter at Clay underscore snow. All right, let's get you caught up on all the Reds minor league action from Thursday. We'll start with AAA. Louisville Bats, they won 9-6 over Indianapolis. Bats now 52-45 on the season. More importantly, Bats are 12-12 now in the second half. They are three games out of first place in their division, which would, of course, clinch a playoff spot. Noelvi Marte, he was 1-4 for four with a walk. Jose Barrero stayed hot 3-5. for five. Stuart Fairchild was 2-4. for four. And our good old friend, Matt Reynolds, he was on base five times. Matt Reynolds hit his 18th home run. He also had two more doubles. He's got 28 of those. Matt Reynolds is hitting 307 with an OPS over 1,000. Ricky Karcher gave up three runs in relief, and Tony Santion also gave up a run in his inning of work. All right, Double A Chattanooga, they lost 19 to 8 to Montgomery. They're now 49 and 43 on the season. But Reese Hines had a big night, two for three, hit his 15th home run, and it went 422 feet. Also doubled and walked. Blake Dunn was two for four. Unfortunately, on the bad side, Julian Aguiar just got promoted to Double A. He struggled two and two thirds innings. He allowed seven runs, only three of them were earned, but he walked three and only struck out one. Down to high A, the Dayton Dragons. They stayed hot. They won 4-3 over Great Lakes. They've won six in a row. They're now 48-45. Dragons 15-12 in the second half. They are one game out in their division behind Fort Wayne. Jose Acuna, really strong start from him. Six innings pitch, one hit, two earned runs. Did walk four, only struck out three. But Acuna 7-1 with a 2.97 ERA for the Dragons. And Jay Allen, he hit his first home run as a Dayton Dragon, so good to see for him. Guy that's missed a lot of time this year with injury. Edwin Arroyo was also one for four. The Daytona Tortugas, they lost 8-3 to Lakeland. Now just 40-50 on the season. They've lost 6-7. Some good performances, though. South Stewart stayed hot. Two for four. He's been incredible over the last couple months. Hector Rodriguez, the guy who had been struggling he was 2-4 for four and hit a home run his 15th of the year. Cam Collier 0-3. for three. Victor Acosta 1-5. for five. Carlos Jorge 1-4. for four. All right, now to some Reds trade rumors. Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic uh, put some stuff out late on Thursday night in his column. First talking about Jonathan India and what the Reds may or may not look for if they decide to trade him. They're not going to trade India for prospects. They also would not trade him for a two-month rental when he all when he does come with three additional years of club control. Rosenthal uh, says perhaps the only way they would trade him would be if they could acquire a controllable starting pitcher, but he says good luck with that. 
Rosenthal does point out India still looms as the potential odd man out for the Reds, but the Reds are more likely to move him in the offseason than during the trade deadline, according to sources that briefed Rosenthal on this. Rosenthal also mentioned that Nick Senzel was an obvious, that was a quote, an obvious trade candidate. So let's watch out for Nick Senzel over the next couple days, and uh, we'll keep you posted. I'm sure there'll be a lot of trade rumors uh, flying around this weekend. Well, the Reds, it'll be a late one. They will place the Dodgers tonight at 10.10 p.m., first of three games at Dodger Stadium. Brewers, meanwhile, will be starting a three-game series against the Braves tonight at 7.20, so go Braves. Some notes on the Dodgers. They lead the NOS by three games over the Giants. They've got a plus 97 run differential. That's the second best in the National League behind the Braves, who are hoping to beat up on the Brewers. Uh, the Dodgers, they are coming off a home series loss to the Blue Jays. They have lost three of four, uh, but the Dodgers are 13-5 and five after a home loss, which they did lose their last game. Uh, Dodgers not as dominant the last two months, 24-20 and 20 since June 1st. But they are 30-18 and 18 at Dodger Stadium, so they've been really, really tough to beat at home. Dodgers just 10-11 and 11 in one-run games this year. Uh, Dodgers lineup slightly better against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching. Dodgers overall, they've been dealing with a ton of pitching injuries this season. Uh, we'll get to that when we talk about the starting pitching. But their lineup is mostly intact, and the Dodgers have already been aggressive on the trade front. This week, they've already acquired... Uh, Enrique Hernandez, Kiki Hernandez from the Red Sox, and they also acquired Ahmed Rosario from the Guardians. Probably expect both those guys in the lineup against Brandon Williamson tonight. Uh, one thing of note that could be really good for the Reds, the Reds' running game was really shut down by the Brewers. We talked a little bit about that on Chatterbox Reds on YouTube, but the Dodgers' catchers have only thrown out 11% of runners attempting to steal the season. That's the second worst in baseball, so maybe uh, an advantage for the Reds there. Dodgers' bullpen has been really good of late. They struggled earlier in the year, but they have a 2.76 ERA over the last 30 days. For the Reds going to L.A., Reds have several players that were born in California, Christian Encarnacion Strand, Kevin Newman, and Spencer Steer, and also Matt McClain. This will be the first time Matt McClain has got to play in Los Angeles as a professional. Of course, McLean went to UCLA. So this will obviously be a big weekend for him. I expect that Matt McLean is going to do something uh, maybe a little bit special. Uh, Reds did take two or three from the Dodgers early in June. That was Ellie De La Cruz's first major league series. Reds had uh, walk-off wins in the first two games, but they were actually outscored 20-17. to Before that, though, the Reds had lost nine straight games coming into this year. The Dodgers' offense is really led by Mookie Betts, who's playing mostly at second base at the top of their lineup, and then Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman has a 26-game on-base streak. Uh, Freeman leads Major League Baseball in doubles. He's third in on-base percentage, second in slugging and OPS. He actually leads the Dodgers with 12 stolen bases, so he's kind of been a, a, a sneaky base stealer. Uh, Mookie Betts, though, he's got a 15-game on-base streak of his own, third in the National League with 27 home runs, fourth in, in Major League Baseball with 67 walks. All right, now to Friday's starting pitching matchup. First for the Dodgers, it'll be Bobby Miller, 6-1 with a 4.28 ERA on the season. 
He was a first-round pick from the Dodgers back in 2020. He was the number 19 prospect in all of baseball when he was called up on May 23rd. Won his major league debut, just allowed one run in five innings pitched against uh, the Braves, and he went up against Spencer Strider. Started the season really, really strong. Uh, .78 ERA through his first four starts, but since then, last six, he's got a 6.82 ERA. He throws really hard. He His average fastball is 98.9, and that is the highest in Major League Baseball among starting pitchers with 40 innings pitched. For the Reds, it'll be Brandon Williamson, and Williamson has been outstanding in July. Four starts, he's got a 2.25 ERA, 3.78 FIP, uh, 17 strikeouts and just six walks and 20 innings pitched. Williamson has not allowed a home run in four of his last five starts. Williamson did face the Dodgers earlier in this year. That was actually the game that Will Benson at the walk-off home run. Uh, Williamson struggled to give up home runs to Betts, Will Smith, and uh, Miguel Vargas, who's not currently with the Dodgers. Uh, overall, five and two-thirds innings, eight hits, six runs in that outing. Well, thanks to everyone for joining us today for Chatterbox Reds. If I could just ask one favor of you, please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening to this podcast. That kind of stuff just really, really helps us out with the metrics as we hope to continue to grow the show and Chatterbox Sports to bring you even more content. So please, just go leave us a quick five-star review. Takes just a couple seconds. We would really, really appreciate it. Well, we will see you live on YouTube. It'll be after midnight uh, when Reds and Dodgers uh, get late into the game. Uh, We'll probably go live in the ninth. I don't know, maybe a little earlier since uh, it'll be so late. We'll see how the night goes, but we'll see on YouTube. Of course, if you can't stay up for that, as always, this podcast is always available bright and early the morning after every single Reds game, and that even includes weekends. If you can't stay up, Saturday morning, as you're getting your day going, uh, turn on our podcast, and we will recap the game and fill you in on everything that happened. We'll have a fantastic Friday. Hope your weekend is great, and as always... Go Reds!